there comes a time in every person's life when you realise it's not about doing what you are told, but doing what you know is right for you. Let us take a journey of learning and discovery with the world's most successful people who are living the life of their dreams, walking through life using their inner wisdom and being of service to others. Forget exams, grades and test scores. What is your purpose? As we let go of what we think should be and learn from our elders to gain knowledge, inspiration and a true sense of who we are. What are your dreams? Does your life have meaning? Are you living a life of significance? Let's talk with today's guest. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome as we spend some more time together on the Learning on Fire podcast. Today I'm talking to Mark Green. Hi Mark, thanks for joining me and let's explore the journey of who you are. Hey Mark, it's great to be here with you in the United Kingdom across the pond as they say. <laughs> uh, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, thank you for having me on your podcast. I'd I think this will be cool. The mic's getting flipped on me here because I'm uh, the producer and host of the Cars Yeah! podcast. I interview what I like to call inspiring automotive enthusiasts. These are people who've wrapped their passion for automotive cars, trucks, motorcycles into their field of uh, careers, their businesses, and their lives. And I've interviewed just about 1,200 people uh, in the past four years. I've talked to a lot of people. It's a five-day a week show and uh, a little bit about me I've been married to my beautiful wife Jill for 34 years now and we have two talented children who are grown and off doing their thing Paige my daughter and my son Blake I live in uh, Gig Harbor Washington which is in the Pacific Northwest part of the United States on the West Coast about an hour south of Seattle surrounded by huge pine trees I'm kind of basically living in the forest for trees and so forth um, but uh, yeah, I'm having a nice time and it's a real honor to be here on your show. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. And um, the thing I love about the whole cars background is um, our eldest is 17 and just about to start driving lessons. And we've got some friends um, and he's just managed to buy his first car. And, and whenever you go and visit them, there's car magazines everywhere. And everyone, every time I see that, I think of you and your podcast and some of the great <laughs> guests that you've had on there. I could just see them sort of raring to get going. It's, it's such a fantastic opportunity. And you have to be 17 here in the UK, but it's so liberating. I remember being that age myself. Oh, yeah, I do as well. You know, looking around my desk, it's covered with car magazines. I've been a car fanatic forever. And I, you know, I grew up in uh, Southern California, in La Jolla, California, which is just north of San Diego. I was a kid that went to the beach every day and surfed. I had, back when I had hair, had long <laughs> hair way down past my shoulders. My kids still laugh at those pictures. And uh, I was always into cars. And Southern California is such a car scene. I mean, there's, it's always has been a car scene. But uh, back in the 60s, when I was uh, just a young boy and before I started driving, so let's see, I started driving 72, 73, I believe it was. But Cars have always been my passion, always love cars, continue to love cars, and as we go through kind of some of the questions you have today, I'll, I'll share a little bit more about my experience with cars, because it's both in my career path for a long, long time, but also in my uh, my avocation. I raced vintage cars for about 12 years, so uh, yeah, I love cars, and uh, congratulations for having a driver in the house. Now you can send somebody off to get the groceries and <laughs> drive you around for a change. Yeah, I'm going to be looking forward to that, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun, it's fun, for sure a little scary at first but uh just as i always say give them a lot of seat time let them drive a lot with you sitting over there kind of observing try to keep your mouth 
quiet and just let them do what they do unless they're going to run off the road or hit a cow or something. But uh, it's a fun time for young people, for sure. Very liberating. Uh, a lot of freedom there. Absolutely. I mean, that just reminds me of when I was having my lessons. My dad was fantastic. He he basically turned around and said, look, you're having lessons. You know what your instructor says. I'm just going to sit here and make sure that it's all OK and give you the opportunity. And I, <laughs> I just hope I've got half as much courage and faith um, as, as he had in me. So uh, fingers crossed anyway. <laughs> well, it, yeah, I think that's the case. And uh, it usually helps not to be yelling in their ear when they're trying to focus on what they're doing. But <laughs> I tell you what we did with my kids. Uh, they went to school kind of far away from where we live. So I gave them a lot of actually a full year. They get their driving permit at 15 here and their license at 16. So for a whole year, each of my children drove all the way. It's about a 35 minute drive to school. And then I would take the car and go to work. My wife would go and pick them up and they would drive home. And we logged all that time. And this is a little tip. I don't know about the UK, but car insurance is rather expensive. You're going to get in a little shock here when when your car it insurance sure company is, says, yes. Yeah, guess what? Uh, we get to buy a new boat because uh, Mark's son is going to be driving now. But um, I, what I did was I logged all those miles. And by the time they drove off on their own after a full year of driving, each of my kids had about 3,200 miles um, under their belt. And that helped keep the car insurance down because I kept track of that. So that's a little tip for mm -hmm. you and your listeners that might help you. Uh, a lot of car insurance companies love to hear that your child has had a lot of seat time before they head off on their own. Oh, that's great advice. Thank you very much for that. That's brilliant. So you've given us a little bit of an idea that obviously that you've got your podcast uh, and, and where you live up there in, in the Northwest. Um, but what does your life sort of look like now, sort of day to day? And, and how is that different from when you were actually growing up? Well, I'm a lot bigger than I was. That's one thing. And I have less hair than I did back then. I mentioned that. But, uh, you know, as I mentioned, I grew up in uh, La Jolla, California. It's a coastal town, beautiful place to live. And I spent a lot of time on the beach surfing, hanging out with friends, skateboarding, riding my bike. It's always sunny there. Unlike I, where I live now is more like Great Britain. Uh, rains a little bit up here <laughs> in the wintertime. It's a little cooler. But it was a very uh, idyllic life growing up. Um, I went to the public schools, which were great schools, Maryland's Junior High, La Jolla High School. I mean, great schools, great teachers. You could literally stand in our on our bleachers from our football field and uh, see the beach and see if there was any surf. And if there was, at lunch, you could head down the hill about seven blocks and jump in the ocean and surf for an hour. Um, and it was a really, really laid back, casual, fun. I mean, I think back now to go, how good I had it. I wish I had known, um, you know, but um, you grow up. I went to college uh, in San Diego, graduated. That's where I met my wife. She was going to school as well at UCSD, University of California, San Diego, studying engineering. And um, I got a job for about 11 years in the advertising agency world because I was uh, studying graphic design, advertising, business in college. And for 11 years, I figured that's what I was going to do, even though I still loved cars. I loved design. I loved marketing. I loved advertising, creating cool things for people and promoting things for people. And then I, uh, I got a client that was starting a, a new catalog business called Grio's Garage. It was all about cars. And we started designing their book. Long story short, I ended up leaving the agency I was with after 11 years, joined Grio's when they were very young. And they were moving, the founder was moving up here to the Pacific Northwest. So he kind of drugged me up here, yelling and screaming, going, it rains up there, it rains, where's the surf? And, um, but it was a, a, it was kind of a bold step for me because my wife 
uh, stopped working in her career. She'd been an engineer for about 10 years and decided to stay home and raise our kids because we're in this new place with no family around to support us. We didn't know anybody up here. Very different vibe and in, in atmosphere here, so it was difficult to get used to. Now, harder for her than me because I was off trying to build a business. Uh, I started there as the one to start all the marketing and the branding and photography and copywriting, everything creative. Ended up being the president of the company and ended up working there 20, 21 years, a long time. But the car, the company was all about cars, so I got to embrace my passion into my career and that's a pretty rare thing and that's a lot what my cars you have podcast is about is talking with people that figured out how to do that because being your podcast is a learning podcast one of the things that i continually see and i saw growing up were people that were just going off to get jobs but they weren't really passionate about those jobs and i got to work for 20 plus years in a, a field and a career and a business that i could combine my passion for marketing advertising creativity with cars I mean, it was the best of all worlds, and that's what I hear from my guests is how they figured out how to do that. I've got racers on my show and journalists and artists and uh, a strong showing of women, um, celebrities even, people that restore cars, Concord directors, museum directors. These are all people that figured out how to take what they love to do and make a living from it, create a career, a business, if you will, which I've always tried to – Tell people, go out and start your own business as soon as you can because uh, it's easy to get kind of trapped into a job and then all of a sudden you have kids and a house and a mortgage and family and all these things and you feel like you can't be daring and go do anything. So when I look back to my life then and my life now, um, obviously it's different because we've raised kids, they've moved on, and now I'm doing my own thing with my podcast, which is radically different than running a company that had 100 plus people and all sorts of things in it. So uh, I, I think the biggest thing, just though, there's a cultural difference a bit in the Southern California area and here. It took some getting used to, but I've been here for 20, wow, 24 years already. <laughs> that went by fast. Uh, and uh, I like it up here. It's very nice. It's a nice atmosphere. And there's a lot of car people up here. It's an amazing number of car people. And it really is interesting, isn't it? That it's often if you, if you go with your passion if you get what you're really interested in you don't necessarily know exactly where that's going to take you you have to kind of be open to opportunities and, and sort of and go with the flow a little bit but as long as you've got the heart of what you're about in you then 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 it all seems to work out for the best i can and it sounds like your guests sort of sort of substantiate that in from the interviews that you've had oh many ways it's not always easy i'm not saying that it is but here's the key and and i i always find it a little frustrating when you talk to people and you say, you know, young people especially, but even people who've been in a career but they really don't like it, what are you passionate about? And if you can't answer that question, I mean, you really have to dig deep and answer that question first because if you can't, you have no direction. And one of the things I, I mentioned to a friend of mine once, he goes, I just don't know. And I said, go to a grocery store or a bookseller. What do you gravitate towards? What kind of magazines do you pick up first? Are they car magazines, boating, woodworking, outdoor, sports, fishing, whatever it might be. What do you tend to always gravitate towards? Then start to talk to people in that field who figured out how to have a career around it. And then you can start to give yourself some focus because one thing I've, I've learned is if you just kind of sit back and hope things happen, you're going to be sitting back for a long time because they really won't. You have to make them happen. 
I think that's true, and and I have to say, and going back to my school experience, I was lucky that um, I went to secondary school, which is which is eleven here in the UK, and we had mm-hmm. to learn a musical instrument, and it just turns out that that opportunity just opened a whole world for me because uh, now I'm a professional musician and, and, and it just sort of nice. that opportunity was just there and I've you know I've traveled the world I've got to play in some amazing concert halls and, and organizations um, but I was given that kind of experience just almost by luck because that's the way the the school was but I know some people's experience it, you sort of find out what you don't like or you you know where yes. you don't want to go because of your experience so so what did you find valuable about your experience and why was that well I think when I think back to school and school was a serious thing for me. I always took it very seriously. I was always the kid that came in and sat in the front of the class. I really wanted to get involved. I also wanted to honor my parents by getting good grades. Now, they were never really pushy about that towards me, but I respected them so much that I didn't want to come home and say, oh, man, I got a C on this test or even a B. I mean, I was always about if I didn't get anything but A's, I kind of beat myself up. And I think it's because I respected my parents so much, I never wanted to do anything that would cause them to be upset with me. And so school for me, the the classes I liked the best were the ones where the teachers were very challenging. And a lot of times other kids would go, oh, that, that, that teacher is such a pain. They're so hard. The tests are so hard. But I don't know. There's something that I liked about that. And... I can't really tell you why. It seems kind of counter to typical kids going to school, but maybe it's because I looked at my parents and how hard they worked to provide my sister and I with the things that we had. And I realized uh, also having grown up in a pretty affluent part of San Diego County, La Jolla, California, um, I looked at all my friends and what their parents did there. They're mostly business owners. My dad had his own architectural firm. They were doctors, lawyers. They owned companies, and they worked very, very hard. And I thought, okay, if I want to have a life like that, I've got to work really hard, and I've got to start doing it in school. But if I think back to my school experience, I had one teacher, Mrs. Rains, in high school, and she was just tough. But if you got a good grade from her, man, you felt really good about it. And it was the same in college. Now, I had a fair share of professors that I thought, why are they teaching? They don't seem very excited. They're pretty boring. Um, it's pretty easy to get a good grade in this class. But some of them, the ones I admired the most, were ones that really made you work and they really made you think differently, especially in college when you get that college experience and, and professors start to – push you into areas that you're really uncomfortable and make you think differently about things. I had a U.S. history professor in college that, as he said, pulled back the uh, red, white, and blue of our flag and showed you the real history of the country and things that you hadn't learned before that were somewhat embarrassing and maybe hard to, to listen to and go, wow, the U.S. did that or people did that. But but it helped you think a little bit further as to why it was going on. So uh, I was lucky. I, I great great education and um, got through school fine and went off and found my first job right away and uh, very fortunate. But uh, I I think, again, you've got to figure out along the way like you did with music is explore things when you're in school. Try different stuff. Take that class that you thought you'd never want to take and you might surprise yourself. You might go, I never thought I wanted to go in the field of medicine or music or whatever it might be. I think that's great advice and also I mean as as an adult now as well I'm beginning to, I've I've heard this quite a lot people saying the great thing about school often was the diversity and actually the people that felt the most um fulfilled out of that were the people that tried lots of things 
mm-hmm. because because it told them what they did like, what they didn't like, but also opened doors and and met people they wouldn't have met before as well. And I'm sort of thinking as an adult, actually, I'm quite set in the things that I do in terms of my work life and my hobbies and my family and all that kind of right. stuff. And I, and I know we all get busy, but I just thought actually maybe I should just think about learning something which isn't necessarily on my radar, just to sort of open up the scope of you know finding out where that might lead. Well, you know, you can do that in your own field, and I'm glad you brought that up. I'll give you an example. I love cars, but I specifically like Porsches. I've always been a Porsche fanatic since I was a little kid. But I had a guest on my show about when I first started, and he suggested that you go out and explore other marks, other kinds of car people than just the ones you tend to surround yourself with. And I felt, I found that opened up a massive number of doors. All of a sudden I went, oh, I never thought I would like hot rods that much. I never really thought about them. They just were okay. But now I can look at the craftsmanship and the build quality. And yeah, maybe the folks that are driving hot rods are a little different than me. But you know what? They're pretty cool, and they can offer new things for me. So even within your passion, your genre, whatever that might be, there are subsets within that that you can go and explore and try different things so that you're not just locked into the same old thing all the time. Like I like to go to different car events and car shows that kind of push me outside of what I would normally like to see, even racing events. And I always come away richly rewarded with the new people that I meet. And I'll tell you, with cars – it really isn't about the cars. It's about the people you meet who have passion for cars. That's where you really have the pure enjoyment with what your passion is, at least in the car genre. And I think it would be the same even in the music field. But by the way, speaking of music field, guess who I'm interviewing this week? John Oates of Hall & Oates. Remember that band? Oh, wow. I met him at a Porsche event last weekend, and he, turns out, is a big-time car guy. And uh, so we're going to talk about cars and music and so forth. So there you go. A guy whose whole life is about music, but he's diversified a bit into cars, and he's he had a cool car built by a friend of mine named Rod Emery. So uh, there you go. I can kind of expand my offering to my listeners in a very different way with somebody from a whole different field who happens to like cars. Yeah, that's great, that isn't it? It really sort of opens the door to sort of that sort of diversity, which I always really love, which is um, yeah, a great and interesting thing for people to listen to as well. Yeah, absolutely, it's cool. Um, so who did you admire when you were young? And, and I'm wondering whether this might have been the racing car driver or something like that, or, or was, there, was there someone else <laughs> that kind of took your fancy before you really got into the car and got that passion going? You know, first and foremost, my mother and father, because as I mentioned, they worked so hard to get to where they were. I know they sacrificed a lot to provide the things that my sister and I were able to have, uh, the neighborhood we were able to live in, the schools we were able to go to. Um, you know, my mom was pretty much an at-home mom, although she worked part-time so that they could earn enough money to, to help pay for the, the nice things that you had in life. And we were surrounded by most of my friends and their families had a lot more money than us. But I never felt like I was wanting for anything because they always provided in my, my, both my mom and dad taught us very important things. Uh, my mom used to always say, whenever I'd say, man, I wish I had a new bicycle like Tommy has. And she'd say, well, you have a bicycle. Think about the fact that you have one. Be grateful for what you have. Don't always be wishing for what you don't have. And that was something that stuck with me is to really focus on that word grateful. And that's a that's the thing I've learned through all the people I've interviewed on my show is that when you're ever feeling down or frustrated or like you don't have what you want in life, whether it's a material thing or whatever it might be, 
just stop for a moment and focus on what you're grateful for because it's impossible to be angry when you're grateful. When you're truly grateful, you can't be sad because you can focus on on what you have. And uh, I always valued that lesson. My dad uh, taught me the value of hard work. He grew up on a farm in Texas where work never ends on a farm. You're always working. As my grandfather told me once when I said, hey, Grandpa, why don't you visit us more often? He said, because the cows never go on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> he had a, a big cattle ranch. And uh, so I think my dad, you know, he taught me the value of just getting up and working hard. So um, I had a paper route from the time I was about 13. I got up at 4.30 every morning, seven days a week for five years and delivered. I still can't believe I did that. That was crazy. <laughs> but but I learned some really good lessons about communication, uh, the fact that people get very angry if they don't have their paper on time in the morning, so you better be there uh, when you say you're going to be there. I got to learn how to manage a checkbook and the money and all that kind of parts of it. So. I think that was valuable, and, and I started my own car care business when I was about 14, so I did that as well. That was something my dad suggested that I do, start my own business young and be my own boss and make my own money and uh, could make a lot more money than flipping burgers at the burger place. So really, the answer to that question, my parents, um, and I, I admired uh, race car drivers, of course, surfers uh, that were better than me, but professional surfers. I think of Jerry Lopez back in the day, a big wave surfer in Hawaii, but really it's my parents because they're the ones that taught me the really valuable lessons that I have carried through to this day. One final one I'll share with you is uh, my mom taught me the value of writing thank you notes, handwritten thank you notes. I still do that today. Every one of my guests gets a handwritten thank you note. I always write handwritten thank yous to anyone who has crossed my path or done something nice. And it's something people don't do. So for those listeners out there, it's a way to stand out and be remembered, especially when you're looking for a job or you're trying to influence a prospective client. Or if you have a client, they did something nice like paid you. <laughs> We've got so many similarities in, in, in our lives. And just a couple of things that you said there, the, the first being I've just went to a live event um, just very recently and, and received uh, a handwritten note um, that came across from America, which is where the event was. And um, it has such a big impact. And, and I really sort of took me aback that you can actually, that amount of personal time that goes into writing something like that really has, has, has a big impact on you. Um, and also the fact that I have my own little car business um say when I was growing up I, as I was getting in, into music I wanted this new drum kit I had one that came out of the paper just a few pounds that got me going and then I just wanted a, a newer one something which was a little bit more yeah. um, upmarket and um, and so my parents very kindly said right we'll get it for you but you can pay us back and I think it was my idea that I said I'd pay it back and it was like well how am I going to do that so yeah <laughs> have my car cleaning business and it did that for for a number of years just to, to pay off that debt but it just gave me the opportunity to really take what I was passionate about to the next level I found a way of doing it and all those weekends that I did it it, it paid off because you know a few years later here I was in having the time of my life in, in the profession which I love which is uh, so it just goes to show it's not always easy at the beginning but you can find a way if you really go for it. Well, and these days, I'll tell you, with the internet and the things that are available to us now, there are really no excuses. There are, I mean, compared to when I was a kid, there are so many ways to get out there and share what you do, find a way to make money. I mean, through social media, I follow a young couple out of Australia that for five years have been basically getting paid to sail around the world and document what they do. 
I mean, it's just incredible what you can do today if you just put yourself out there, look at what other people are doing, don't reinvent the wheel, look at how people are making money, and if you're passionate about it, like this couple I follow, uh, Sailing La Vagabond, is their, their uh, video they send out and their podcast, uh, well, they don't do a podcast, they do a video basically, but uh, yeah, there's no excuse anymore. I mean, there's just so many ways to do it for so inexpensive. What I do, I do from home. I talk to people like you from all over the world, and you just have to learn some things. You have to be diligent. You have to work hard, yeah, but uh, you can actually make a decent living at it. It's pretty fun. Absolutely, and and like you say, that ability to work from home is something I love as well because my, my career is obviously split in many ways from being a musician to my education oh, yeah. work as a teacher and also the podcasting, and, and the diversity is great, but the, the be able to be at home and, and spending time with the family and that kind of thing really, really has been a key thing for us, I have to say. Yeah. Oh, no. It, it's. I wish almost I'd started doing this sooner um, because I could could be home. And uh, for those listeners that want to learn more about me, you can go and listen to my 300th podcast. Um, I'm up to almost 1,200 now, but uh, they're all documented on my website. Where my son, who suggested I become a podcaster um, after I had a big change in my career path, um, helped me realize that you can actually do what I'm doing now every day and make a living at it I would have never thought I didn't even know what a podcast was so uh, you sound like you have a busy life between <laughs> the three parts of your your life plus you have teenage kid in the house so that adds another layer of complexity yeah exactly it's in for a penny in for a pound and, and you know take it on board and go with the flow and uh, yeah yep. see what happens enjoy every moment <laughs> absolutely because I'll tell you this they'll be gone before you know it yeah for uh, sure it's happens very fast and i walk by my kid's bedroom every night with a little bit of a tear in my eye realizing man when did where did that time go went by really quick yeah oh yeah um what was the best piece of advice you've ever been given and who gave it to you well i'll, I'll say there's two things one was my mom suggesting i write thank you notes because that has come back to me in ways I could not even imagine because you're remembered and, and it stands out and people appreciate the time. You mentioned that yourself. The other one was my father. He suggested way, way back, treat every job you do, whether it's your own business or you work for somebody, like you own that business. Uh, take the time to do it right the first time. Don't get sloppy, don't go too fast. Um, and take the time to look at the details. Uh, my father being an architect was all about details. And he was always pointing out things in rooms and buildings that most people never see. And I think those three pieces of advice work in any field that you want. But the, the main one was treating your job like you own the business. Because my first job I went into working for a small company and I just acted like it was mine. And it doesn't mean you boss people around, I don't mean that. It means that you have the care for your job and the interest in your job that everything is important. If there's a piece of trash in the hallway where you work, stop and pick it up and throw it away. If the bathrooms are dirty, clean them. Um, and I know that may sound funny to some listeners going, what is he talking about? But if you treat your job even if you're working at a fast food place or restaurant or whatever, like you own the place, you will stand out, you will shine, and you will be offered opportunities that you never imagined. Because I'll tell you something, not only the clients will notice it, but your boss will notice it. And your boss will go, that is somebody that I want to keep around. I'm going to give them more opportunity to strive to be better and to do more with the business and like the job that I ended up in uh, for 20 plus years I ended up owning a part of that business so 
that's the way I think that my father really helped me. And I always think back. And another one real quickly is a driving coach I had when I started vintage racing. His name is Louis Shevchik. He uh, helped manage my race cars and so forth. He's been a guest on my show. He owns a restoration facility and a race car, vintage race car prep shop. And the first day I was going to go do my first race, I was very nervous. It was raining. It was in a little uh, British car, a Lotus Formula Junior 18 with very tiny little tires. And I was sitting there going, what am I doing? This is crazy. <laughs> and he said, hey, Mark, just to remind you, the throttle goes both ways. Mm-hmm. And it's a little metaphor that works for life too that you don't have to have your foot all the way to the floor all the time in fact sometimes it's good to back off a little bit take a breath take a rest look around and then refocus repoint and shoot and then stand on it again um i've used that in a variety of ways with my life because i tend to kind of push myself really hard to sometimes stop step back take a look at what i'm doing evaluate it same with people uh you know stop give them give them a chance give them a rest and then uh, put your foot down into it again to get through the track. So uh, hopefully that was a good answer for that question. Yeah, absolutely. And and what advice would you give your younger self now, sort of looking back, if there was sort of one thing you'd just say, look, this is really going to make all the difference with the experience you've now got? i tell you, the, and I, my kids will chuckle at this, uh, focus, let me back up a little bit, save and invest more in yourself and start doing it younger. And by that, I mean in your financial security because that time will go by very fast. And if you start saving and focusing and and investing in yourself, and I mean, don't waste as much money on all the material things that you think are important because they are fleeting. They will go away. Unless of course it's a classic car. I'm going to define that one a little (laughs) bit, but, but no, actually if if you're smart about buying gold classic cars, you can make a pretty good living on those too. But uh, save and invest in yourself more because that time goes by fast and if you do that, you can save up more money quicker so that you can get to a point in your life when you can start your own business perhaps because uh, I really am not one that believes in this idea of retirement. I think it's it's a deadly thought that you retire and you sit around and don't do anything anymore. The successful people I've known, when they quit doing what they're doing, whether they're a brain surgeon or a race car, car driver whatever, they start doing what they're passionate about but they still get up and have a reason to get up every morning. So, um, and the only way you can do that is if you save and invest and watch your wealth grow so that when you get to that point, you don't have to worry about continuing to work just to make money to live. Um, and the other thing I'll throw in here is don't worry so much about what other people think of you. Focus on discovering who you are and what you really like in life and don't get caught up in the peer pressure and the idea that you have to conform to what other people think you should be because you know what, you do not need to do that to be happy. I think that's really, really great advice. And also, as as people start to listen to more and more of these podcasts, I think it's a running theme about that thing of looking after yourself, knowing who you are. And it's quite hard, I think, when you're in education sometimes to sort of feel like you have these opportunities or all the choices along there. But I think people are starting to hear now that actually, with all these great bits of wisdom that are coming through, you have more control than you think. And especially when you're, you're looking very inwardly, like you said, about your passions and where you want to spend your time and how you want to deal with people. All of a sudden the world opens up to you even if you feel like you're slightly cocooned in in a system which is telling you what to do absolutely and you know, our children we put them through their early in elementary years were in a montessori school 
And I'm so happy we did that because it was a very different way of, of being educated than I was. I grew up in a basically public school system where you went in, the bell rang, you sit at a desk, you didn't talk, you listened, you did what you were told, bell rang, you went out and played, bell rang, you came in, you listened, you didn't talk, bell rang, you ate. I mean, it was like they were preparing you to be a factory worker. Mm -hmm. And the Montessori system was so different and so unique. And at first it kind of scared me as a parent. I'm like, this place looks like it's out of control. These kids are doing whatever they want. <laughs> and they said, well, that's the idea is that they have to get their work done but they get to do it any way they want to do it. And I tell you, it was a huge beginning for my kids. They both went on to uh, to do great in their schooling and to do well in their adult life. So, uh, yeah, I, I think – I hope the school systems are changing a little bit that way. I don't know because I don't have young kids in public school system now, but uh, even private schools. But uh, I think it's really important to uh, – you know, even if you find yourself in that kind of situation is to really think about and think about how you're using that spare time when you get home from school. Uh, instead of wasting it on the television or whatever it might be, focus on what you're passionate about and get out and do that. If you like to hike, go hike. If you like to surf, go surf. If you like to race cars, go find a track and drive a car fast, for goodness sake. Yeah, it's fun. And that sounds <laughs> exciting to me. I'll be doing that literally later <laughs> so, yeah. cool i'm jealous i'm jealous i know i just got on the phone with the guy before you called who was at uh, sonoma raceway uh with his son racing scca and i could hear the cars in the background i'm like i want to be doing that right now so <laughs> cool cool so what does your future look like from from here on in like you said having had that career going through and now having your podcast do you have a clear definition of what that's like or, or just a general sense of, of where you'd like to head because you've obviously just said that retirement isn't something that's really focused on your mind right well i'm a pretty focused person i i set goals i write business plans i do all that so what I'm working on right now is continuing to grow my brand, that is Cars Yeah, by interviewing people. It has led to some very interesting opportunities like consulting. As soon as I hang up with you, I'm going to be doing that with a young woman who wants to start a podcast. I'm going to help her a little bit. Uh, it's also led to an opportunity to create a television show. And so I'm working on a TV show, a Cars Yeah TV show. Uh, that's something I never even thought about that would happen, but it's occurred through people reaching back to me saying, hey, what about doing this? So we're working on that. I was hoping to launch it this fall, but it looks like it's going to be more first quarter, second quarter next year. It's taking a lot more time than than I thought, but that's because there's a lot of things out of my control that I have to work with. And um, it's also um, led me to um, think about how to explore the Cars yeah brand and what I'm doing for people in different ways like speaking. I've been invited to be keynote speaker at some businesses and at some Concor events. Never thought that would come up, but uh, I've learned a lot after talking with so many people and that's one of the messages that I like to share is what these people I interview every day have taught me about how to be happy in life. and and. You know, everyone says, what's the key to happiness? And I really think what if I could define it all down to one thing, it's finding a way to do something that gives back to others. Sounds pretty simple. Sounds almost cliche and a little bit trite, but it is absolutely true. Uh, if you can do something that gives back to others, there is something that just happens to us as human beings inside us when we are truly helping other people in any way that we can. Maybe it's just selling great products that there's not – junk but it's really high quality that helps people do something different in their life could be food could be a material thing i don't know but uh yeah so i'm i'm starting to see all sorts of other things that this podcast i'm doing is providing me um and i think it's what you talked about early in our talk is keeping your eyes open to opportunities 
and and getting out there and looking at what other people are doing and how they're being successful. I I had a client way back named Tony Robbins. Um, I hope a lot of your listeners know who he is. He's an incredibly successful motivational speaker. Uh, he was actually a client of mine when he was just starting out. And he told me something. He said, hey, don't reinvent the wheel. Just look at what's working for other people. Put your twist on it and preach it to the world. And that's what he's done. And he's highly successful at it. Yes. And, and like you say, if you can get advice like that from somebody like Tony Robbins, then uh, that's, you should definitely take note of it and and do yeah. it, which is exactly what you've done. So, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. He was a very, very interesting client to have. Uh, he happened to live in the same city I was living in when I first got married in Del Mar. And uh, I actually met him on the beach. He was running down the beach one morning. I was coming out of the ocean after a dawn patrol surf session before going to work. And I see this giant guy running down the beach and I went, I think that's the guy whose tapes I just listened to about self-empowerment. And there you go. So I stopped him and said hi and, again, look for opportunities. It really does make a, a big difference, doesn't it, when you put yourself out there like that. Like you say, it can just be saying hi or opening that door because then you never yeah. know what's going to come back from that. So You never know. Um, so what resource has had the biggest impact on your life and why? And that could be anything from a, a podcast, a book, a video, a film, or, or even a song for that matter. Just something which really is, is that you could really recommend or that's really touched your life that's made a, a really big impact on how you are and, and, and your life going forward. Well, that's a big question because I love reading business books. I, that's mostly all I read. Um, but I'll, I'll pass one along that really was helpful back when I was trying to help build uh, Business Grio's Garage when I was working when the company was young. And that was a book called The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Uh, it's a book that helps young entrepreneurs know how to build a business and what causes a business to fail, what causes it to be successful. It's a very easy read. It's been reproduced multiple times. Um, I think it's a great book, and I've referred it to so many small business people that have come back and said, man, that made a difference. The other one was, uh, I think, something maybe you and I share is John Lee Dumas's Entrepreneur on Fire podcast, because that's the first podcast I ever listened to. And the reason I listened to that was when my son, Blake, suggested I become a podcaster. He said, I, he was in college at the time. He said, I listened to this guy named John Lee Dumas. He's just starting out. I think he was up to show two or 300 or something. You know, we all know now he said thousands. But, <laughs> and I started listening to him. And then I joined his podcast paradise group to kind of help me move faster to learn how to be a podcaster. Looked at his success, tried to pretty much emulate that and do what he's done. But I do it uh, to a different niche market than he does. But uh, I would say those two have been great. And again, the John Lee Dumas reference is what I referred to before. If you want to do something in life and be successful at it, go seek people who have done that. Try to talk to them. Most of them will help you. They'll talk to you. They'll share with you. Really reach out to those folks. If they'll become your mentor, even better. They might not have time, but most of them will give you some time. But just really put yourself out there. Walk up to people. Look them in the eye. Put your hand out. Shake their hand. Say you admire them and start asking them questions and then listen, and you'd be amazed at what you can learn. I absolutely couldn't agree in more, and um, and I think that's right. It's just giving yourself that opportunity to learn, and if you ask questions and listen, then people, generally speaking, will be really enthusiastic about helping you out. So I've really enjoyed our chat today. What's the best way for people to find out more about you um, if they want to explore a bit more about the podcast and, and what you're doing at the moment? Oh, absolutely. I appreciate you asking. Uh, basically, you can find me 
on my website at carsyea.com. All my shows are listed there on individual show notes page. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook, both under Mark Green and a Cars Yeah Facebook page, Twitter, um, YouTube. And um, you can find all my shows on pretty much every major mobile podcast app, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify. Now I'm on uh, about six other new ones that I just put myself out there. The shows are on YouTube as well, so you can find that. And I'll invite all your listeners, if you would like to learn more, go to my website and click on my free filler up book button. It's a free book button there. I'll send you my filler up book. It's something I created through the photography I do of cars and the inspirational quotes I've received from my listeners. And it'll put you on my blog list. I do a weekly blog. And then I also do a lot of giveaways. I have a lot of giveaways from guests on my show. I'm giving away a couple books this week so your name can go in the hat. But uh, those are the many ways that you can find Mark Green, the other Mark, here on the other (laughs) side of the pond on cars, yeah, uh, here in the United States. But I have listeners in 80 countries around the world. So as you know, uh, the reach now is everywhere, which is absolutely fantastic. Oh, it really is. And thank you, Mark, for sharing your wisdom um, and allowing us to learn from all your great experiences. Well, thank you. This has been a real pleasure to have the mic twisted on me. Uh, Thank you, Mark Taylor, and uh, your Learning on Fire podcast. What you're doing is absolutely fantastic. Bravo. Thanks for listening to the Learning on Fire podcast. For more information, please visit educationonfire.com and follow the links from the homepage. This show is sponsored by the National Association for Primary Education. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.